In this episode, I speak with Sasha Eburn, CEO of Virtually Assisted and The VA Way. With over 20 years of business management experience and working in the corporate world, Sasha decided to branch out on her own as a professional virtual assistant. She's based on the Gold Coast in Australia and works with clients all over the world. Sasha became successful in a very short time, which allowed her to give up her daily nine to five within two weeks of launching her business. And she exceeded her previous income within six weeks. Now she specializes in helping women identify and achieve their goals in becoming a successful virtual assistant to live a rewarding and flexible life. Welcome to the Rare Conversations podcast. I'm Leonie Milano, and I chat with creative entrepreneurs and business owners around the world about what it takes to start, sustain, scale, and sell a business. We talk about real life scenarios to help you understand the path before you, to inspire your journey. I transitioned from working in film, TV, and global events to working with creative entrepreneurs through mindset coaching and mentoring. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs embrace the journey, understand themselves better, accelerate their growth, and get the most out of life, making sure they have a hell of a lot of fun along the way. Sasha, thank you so much for joining me today. It's so lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. Can you tell me a little bit more about your background and how you came to get into the VA field? Yeah, definitely. So I spent 20, probably about 20 years in the corporate world of hospitality and and events. And that was predominantly in resorts around Australia, from the east coast of Australia over to spend some time in a hotel in Abu Dhabi and also a hotel in Vanuatu. So very much that resort type of incentive conferences wedding type of background terrible job to have I know (laughs) must have been really difficult (laughs) certainly lived in some amazing parts of the world um and unfortunately but then fortunately because of how it turned out I was working in a hotel during COVID and the hotel closed and then joined the quarantine program so we were all stood down no pay no work. Um, so after a year of going in and out of jobs, just trying to stay afloat, I'd watched a few people that had come from the hotel industry become virtual assistants and had been quite successful. So I had watched the space for some time and then I was in a job, I wasn't enjoying it. And one, there was just one week and something spoke to me. There was quite a lot of leads that I saw that week. And I said to myself, what is it going to what's the risk of quickly setting up a business and trying to pitch for some of those leads? And I got my first client in 24 hours. And then within a week, I was jumping out of the office doing pitch meetings for for more clients and decided to quit within a week and pretty much took the the giant leap to go full-time into the business. And then pretty much as soon as I'd resigned, I had another client. And then within three weeks, I was fully booked out. Amazing. So when you say you were pitching for a job, was this for a corporation or for individuals? Some of them were corporations, but some of them were solopreneurs that needed a bit of support that have just been running their business. So it was probably a lot of the leads that come in the, the VA space are those solopreneurs, the smaller companies, maybe the startups, 
But then I would say about a good 20% were organisations that are now moving towards that remote worker outsourcing type of capacity. And for anybody that might not understand the VA, can you explain what a virtual assistant is, what they do? Sure. So essentially a virtual assistant is somebody that provides remote work for a business or an organisation. So essentially you are a business provider or service provider, sorry, I should say, to a business. And a lot of companies were hiring remote workers to begin with, um, but hiring them as employees, but considering them as remote workers. Whereas a virtual assistant, generally speaking, is their own entity, is their own business and pitching to provide a service to another business. So that could mean administration services, some people a little bit more skilled where they have marketing backgrounds and degrees and pretty much using the skills that they already have and the career that they've had in the past to provide those services remote to businesses. And in terms of the kind of work, would you say that that's a good thing that a VA should niche down or when they're starting, should they go broader? What's your take on that? I think there's two sides of the coin and it's very much was that constant battle from from my side to start with everyone's like niche down, niche down, niche down. And my niche kind of just happened organically because I've come from the events field. I've come from hospitality. You know, my first client was an audiovisual provider. My second client was a catering company. It just happened organically. But since then, like I have branched off. I work with other coaches. You know, I work with tech companies because a lot of them need those skills as well. But I feel like for somebody that's never done virtual assistant, sometimes it is easy not to niche down. I always recommend to the people that I work with in my coaching business that rather than worrying about the industry you're going to work in, work out what skills you have and what services you're going to offer. And if that sits in that realm of administration, then generally most businesses need administration assistance. So if that's email management, uh, document management, editing documents, some spreadsheets, things like that, generally most businesses have the requirements for that. So you could still fit in to quite a lot of industries that you don't need the specific industry qualifications for. And then you can just build up and get experience. Exactly. When it comes to small business owners, what I have seen is that they're quite often scared to let go. And this is also a big reason why a business doesn't grow. So they are stuck. And there's also, I I think this is this is more towards females from what I've seen. They feel guilty about getting help. They think they have to do all of the roles and then Mm -hmm. can burn themselves out quite easily. I've spoken to people where they just said, I just don't know. I've tried to hire people before and it's been a disaster. I'm just better off doing it myself. It perpetuates this cycle, I think. I hear that all the time. (laughs) What do you say to people? There's only good things that can come out of getting help, I think. That's right. I guess I try to figure out why they had those issues and what were the main concerns in that experience. And then I would talk to that because every everyone could say, oh, I had some remote work and it didn't work. So it's really finding out what that is. And generally I find that it's they, you know, outsource overseas or they might have got somebody that didn't have enough experience or 
they just didn't take the initiative and go that extra step further. That's generally what I'm hearing. And I think that's where I guess them seeing the value in hiring an expert or hiring somebody of a higher value with a lot more experience sometimes can actually be a benefit to them. So a lot of businesses that first are outsourcing or going towards the VA, they think that they can probably just get somebody on board for the same that they would pay for an employee, which generally speaking is not the case because when you're providing a service to another business, we as the virtual assistant agency actually cover a lot of the costs. They don't pay us tax. They don't pay us superannuation. We pay for a lot of the tech and the setup ourselves, whereas they're expecting to get that included. So when they realize that the expertise that they need are in that higher price range compared to what they would pay an employee, then they can really ascertain the value of what they're getting and the expertise that they're getting. So it's, it's, a, it's a mind shift change for business owners and educating them that the more that they outsource, the more it allows them time within their business and how much time they're going to save them money so they can do what they do best. So it's a little bit of an education as well, because if they pay less, sometimes they're going to have the same concerns because they're going to get someone that's not as experienced, that can't take their own initiative, that then is going to actually cause them more time to spend with that person to train them and guide them through the work. Whereas if they pay for an expert or somebody that could just run with it, they're just going to be a lot more efficient and leaving them what they do best. And that's where they're going to have the success because they're aligning the skills to the tasks that they're actually having. So it's just really knuckling down on really what do they actually want as business owners and what's the purpose of putting in the outsourced resource to begin mm. with. So that's what I really like to ascertain to then provide them with the enough information to be able to make that shift and sort of come on board and b- become a client of ours. For me personally, I have been in a situation. So the first time I decided to, you know, I got inspired by Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Workweek and heard about that agency that he talked about. I jumped in and went online and found someone. I had no idea what I was doing. I just jumped in and grabbed somebody and it just wasn't a fit in terms of I didn't from my side and I and I need to take responsibility for this from my side I had no idea what I was doing I had no clear structure for the work that I wanted to give them. They weren't set up for success. And I think sometimes you have to go through that experience until you realize they need to have a standard operating procedure so they know exactly what's expected. And the fact that we can't expect every single VA to be a graphic designer and a copywriter and everything, you know, doing all your social media posts. It was a really big learning curve. Then I realized who I thought I wanted wasn't actually what I needed. And once I started to clean everything up and strip everything down to the essence of what it is that I was trying to do and removing all of the distractions, I realized that it was something completely different that I needed. Do you find that this happens? I'm sure when you go into working with people they might think they need something, but then you can offer something that is so much better. Absolutely. And I think the key thing that you mentioned is the processes and the setup. A lot of people come into the VA industry, they pitch for everything. And when they get something, they're like, oh, well, they just sit there and wait there for the person to give them the task. That's not setting anyone up for success. So we have a full in-depth onboarding process. And through that onboarding process, a lot of business owners are like, 
oh, I could actually give you that. I hadn't actually thought of that. So it's like what you're talking about. You strip back the layers, you work out the processes and the systems, and along the way, they will discover the tasks that need to, to be handed over to leave them within their business because there are times that we work with clients in the instance like, I don't know where to start. And it's just like, well, not knowing is not good for anyone, but we delve deep into it in the onboarding process and we work through that with the client so they can be set up for success as a client. But then the other thing that I like to mention is sometimes I have discovery calls with clients and I realize that they're actually not the ideal client for us. And it's not going to serve anyone bringing them on board and actually not serving them in the right way because, you know, that's not going to to serve anyone correctly. So sometimes if we don't have the right expertise or we really feel like we can't service what they need, then we might recommend somebody else within the industry that can assist them. I think this is a big issue as well, because people get very confused thinking, I'll just do this work. But it's so critical to do that discovery, to really have that honest conversation, because there's no point trying to go through a job and know that you really can't. I think this industry continues to grow because Mm -hmm. obviously we keep moving more digital, more digital. There's also a lot of still haven't embraced social media at this stage. A lot of small businesses, if I'm talking to them and I can see they're not even posting on their social media and it's just such a massive part of the world now. It is. It's um, unavoidable. Somebody wants to become a VA, if they're first starting, what kind of skills would they need to have as a baseline? As a baseline? You generally need to know your way around a computer. You need to understand how inboxes work and emails work, Word, Excel, and that can either that can be Google Sheets or Excel, Microsoft Office, the way around a document, how to put a Word document into a PDF, what I would call basic, but just general basic operating computer type of things. That is a good place to start because a lot of people don't have the time or energy to sit there, man their inbox, send emails out, do some document management. And I would say a lot of people need help with that because that's tedious and that's time consuming. So that's probably the bare bones or basics. There's a lot of other things that they can scale up from. Probably that, but then there's also quite a bit of customer service. So if someone's right, come from a say, customer, yeah. facing role, that opens up a whole other realm of jobs that you can have. A lot of them will use a computer in conjunction, but one, you need to be able to get on a Zoom call, have a pitch meeting with a client. That's one. And a lot of that will come with customer service. But two, some of the roles that you might do whilst it might not be customer facing, if you're supporting an entrepreneur or a business, there might be times where you do have to get on the phone to their customers. So whilst you might be able to do some admin, to be able to turn around and say, I'm not really comfortable on the phone might actually deter some organizations from bringing people on. So I know that a lot of people do shy away from the phone and they prefer to sit there in the comfort of their emails, but sometimes you do need to get uncomfortable to kind of provide that additional service to clients as well. So definitely administration and customer service would be the big ones. Hey everyone, I'm excited to jump in here and let you know about my upcoming program for 2022. People say knowledge is power, but that's not entirely true. If you do nothing with that knowledge, it's worthless. If you implement it, you become unstoppable. 
creating your own business takes work, commitment, dedication to getting tasks done, working through the frustrations when you realize it's more than you thought and you feel like you're always on the verge of quitting. The easy thing to do is give up, but that just perpetuates a cycle because when there is something you can't stop thinking about, something that you really want to create, you'll never be able to shake it. What we're not taught in school is how our brain actually works. It is so hardwired with our individual beliefs based on our own life experiences that it takes the utmost awareness to know what you need to do differently to achieve your goals. This is the single biggest thing that can be the deciding factor on how well you live your life. When you're starting a new business, there are stages you need to go through. Analysis, planning, testing, strategizing, taking action, in tandem with accountability and support, etc. This is what I help my clients with. In my 10-week program, I'll take you from being stuck and not knowing how to grow to getting clarity and confidence that will get you to the next level. We'll make sure your niche, target market, offer, and strategy is solid by implementing systems and a step-by-step action plan to strengthen your foundation that will allow you to grow faster than you could have imagined. You'll gain clarity and confidence with every step, not ever having to return to where you were ever again. I work with a limited number of clients at any time, and to really help you, it needs to be a mutually beneficial fit. This is for someone serious about their growth, for someone who's tired of just getting by to having a healthy business that actually makes money. If this sounds like something you're interested in, send me an email to hello at leonimilano.com. That's L-E-O-N-I-M-I-L-A-N-O.com with the word apply and we can jump on a call to see if this works. If you can tell me one thing that you got out of this episode, I'll add an exclusive bonus. Now let's get back to the episode. What are some of the things that a VA should not do? I think they shouldn't apply for everything and anything. Definitely doesn't serve anybody. I definitely have a whole lot of do's and don'ts when it comes to pitching and the sales process, but that's probably a a very, very big conversation. I think that you shouldn't go out there without knowing what your skill sets are, what your strengths are, and what you can offer clients. I see it so many times. People are like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. But really, can they actually fulfill that role of that organization? Because then they're going to have issues like what we spoke about earlier, and then potentially tainting that organization of having an outsourced resource. So it's not doing anybody any favors. I see it so many times where people are like, oh, I can do social media, but they're not a social media manager and they don't have any qualifications. And I'm all on board with everything can be learned, but don't go out there and say that you're an expert when you're not an expert because it doesn't serve anybody. And it also, you know, you don't want that stigmatism in the industry that a VA is a waste of time because it's certainly not. There's a lot of value in it. A lot of businesses are successful with outsourcing it. So that's probably my biggest no-no in amongst a whole list of other things that I mentioned. But yeah, that's probably the, the main ones. When people are hiring, are they, I mean, it's probably a mix as well, but do you, do VAs generally stay with clients for a while or are they always jumping around? Or again, is that just subjective to the particular requirements? 
I think it's subjective to the particular requirements. There are a lot of project-based work out there at the moment where people feel gap. But then you could be with a client for six months and you set them up so much for a success to then hire in a full-timer. So I had one last year, started working with him in May and then by December, when it came time to discuss, you know, where we're going with 2022, he said, I'm actually hiring a full-time person. I'm like, great, my job is done. I have set you up for success as a solopreneur. Now you have a full-time employee. I filled that gap for you. You know, so that's what a lot of virtual assistants do. They fill the gap when they can't afford to have a full-time staff member. But then there are, you know, some others that I know that have been with clients for five, six years in remote support. So again, subjective to the employer and what they're looking for, because a lot of people still feel like they need to go into that full-timer afterwards or depending upon their industry they might need a face-to-face person they might need somebody in your office and you're not in their location but yeah there are some people that I know that have had very long longevity with with their clients I, I just think there's so much of this kind of work around I really think there is oh, and I there is. I've seen people trying to find VA work before but then I have had inquiries from them and I've seen some of their work it's it's not like well put together. They're not presenting themselves in the best way, which completely loses your confidence in the beginning. So, and it's this is the initial introduction. <laughs> then I, I don't, it's, it's often going to be more work. I've hired somebody before where it ended up being more work for me. Like you said before, you have to be really careful and make sure that you go through that whole onboarding process. It's crucial. You can't, you're you're the service provider. And I think that's what a lot of VAs think. They're like, I'm just going to go work for this person and sit here and wait for them to give me the task. No, no, you're the business provider and the service provider. You need to tell them and you need to guide them because you're there to make their life easier, not the other way around. And I think that's where a lot of people go into the industry and can't shift their mindset from an employee to a service provider. Change is really hard. It's so, but it's also liberating at the same time. For somebody who's on the fence with getting a VA that's curious, and I know there are a lot of these kinds of people, what would you say to them? How could they get on board in a way where they feel safe to try it? So I think it's finding the right people that are going to suit their business and not every VA or VA agency is going to be the right fit for them. So that could be sourcing somebody that, yes, maybe has worked in the industry or has had some success with other clients. If they're a little bit uncomfortable, ask for testimonials, get feedback from other clients they've worked with. But I think it's also important to do your due diligence, jump on a call with them, Don't just sit there and communicate with them via email. That's one thing that I like to do with all of the clients is if I see a lead and there is a phone number there, I pick up the phone call and have a conversation because if we identify on that phone call, they're not the right client for us or we're not the right service provider, we haven't wasted each other's time and they can move on to find somebody else. But also they can start small. So there's a benefit of having a VA because you don't have to give them you know, a huge amount of hours. So if they wanted to trial someone, you could trial someone and give them five hours a week. And they don't need to lock in 20 or 30 hours in a massive upfront thing. Right. And they can grow over time. If they bring somebody else on, 
and start working with them and they feel, wow, this person's great, they're efficient, they are doing more than what we would think in that five hours, let's see what we can do within 10 hours. So the other side of the spectrum is every person's contract is different. So it depends upon the notice period in everybody's. Our contracts are quite flexible because we want to work with the right clients and we want the clients to figure, you know, work out that they've got the right service provider on board. So we're very flexible with those because having long-term contracts with strict out clauses never serves anyone. So, and I think that gives them the peace of mind that they're going to bring us on as a service provider, see how it works. And then if they want to increase or decrease or in the contract, they've got that flexibility as well. But again, not everybody would offer that flexibility. I think the flexibility is very important though, because our lives from a day-to-day basis is not structured as much as we would like to think. Things go all over the place all the time. So I think you probably have a really good setup I think it also gives people that sense of security in knowing that if something changes that you've got their back. That's right. And I think it's understanding the industry you're working with as well. So a lot of the clients that I've started working with are from the events industry. And we know that the events industry was hit very hard with COVID. They can't commit to long-term contracts. I had a client the other day, she literally just lost in her entire quarter one of events. Our contracts are flexible. We've dropped back And we know that when the events pick up, she'll come back to us and we'll be ready to look after her. But if you were in a long-term contract, she'd be stuck. She'd be stuck with all these venues having to get refunds. Like it's just a flow on effect. And understanding the industry that you're in to understand that that's an industry that is heavily affected by COVID, I think serves us in in a really good light. It's just such a huge proponent of so many businesses because we are almost two years in to this change world it, with no end in sight, it seems right now at this That's stage right. anyway. And I think the way that you run your business now is probably so different to if you had it for three, four years ago. Absolutely. Now, going back to if somebody is a VA, what kind of money can they expect to earn? Or again, that's probably tiered with whatever experience they have. That's right. It is very tiered based upon experience. And I think a lot of people, I see both ends of the spectrum. I see people that are underselling what they're offering and, you know, getting quite well known in the space and becoming one of those experts and probably undercharging for their services. But then I get people that are quite new in the space that'll be like, oh, I'm going to charge hundred bucks an hour. That's great. But do you have the skills to match what you're offering? I don't know. I don't investigate too much, but, you know, sometimes I feel that, you know, you've got to match one, the experience, you've got to match two, who you're going for, but also what tasks are you going to provide them as well? So, you know, if I'm providing a higher end event support, that's going to be very different than if I'm sitting there manning someone's email. And I think that Mm. the price needs to sometimes reflect it, but if you are working across a whole holistic view of the business, then it's a very different scope again. But then there's also... What we have is subcontractors. So a lot of new VAs into the industry will go and work, say, for VA agency like myself and subcontract to me, and then I can provide them clients and they can provide me with work. So obviously being a subcontract, the rate is generally less. Um, but what they do get is generally a lot of those business expenses would be covered by our agency, email, project management system. We would do all the lead generation and essentially assign them a client. So they're not having to do that. If they struggle a little bit, jumping on a Zoom call or doing a lead or converting it 
it's just a little bit easier for them to get into the industry and get exposure and see how a business is run. So mm. we, we do recommend that people do that. I mean, I, you know, I did that very much at the beginning and learned a lot in the time that I was a subcontractor. But pretty much if you're talking about how much can people earn, it's not capped. And that's mm. what is great about this industry. If you go out there and learn and become an expert and there's a lot of systems that you can go and get accredited for, you can say be an active campaign accreditation and you can then be known as the expert in that or in right. Dubsado, be known as the expert to build Dubsado. So there's certainly different ways to upskill to then be able mm. to charge a lot more for the service that you're providing. Yes, and I do know that a lot of people have problems with tech and yes. they will struggle and struggle uh, for days and days and, and even then they'll try to cobble it together and it's not set up properly so they're not getting the benefit, whereas if they just get somebody in that just right. sets it up, I just think having, having a VA and getting that help as quickly as you possibly can frees you up. So you're right. It's a shift in the um, mindset of going into your business. Do you want to be working on those little tasks? If you actually calculate out how many hours you are of your own time that you are putting into your business, that could be outsourced. That's right. So you can then focus on money-making tasks yes. rather than working in your business on a treadmill, especially for the things that are repeated over and over again. And a lot, a lot of times it is those non-revenue generating tasks that are beneficial to outsource. Yeah, it just totally saps your time. And then another week goes and people just spin their wheels with that. They can definitely get a lot of help. And there is there is so many specialised people that can help with those particular things. That's right. What would you say is in your career some of the best advice that you have received or what have you learned that was incredibly inspiring that helped you in your business journey? So I guess from a very young age, somebody once told me and I was offered a job and I went back and resigned to my existing job and then they were trying to convince me to stay and offered me a promotion and I was told from this one one manager that I have and she said take every new opportunity with open arms and don't look back and I've always remembered that I was probably only 18 and been working for, for quite some time and that's always stuck with me and it's just like, you're right. Like there's obviously a reason that you've gone looking for other opportunities. Like this is a new opportunity. You're only going to grow from that. So take that opportunity, grab it and run with it. And if it's not the right opportunity, learn from it and move on to the next opportunity. And that's, that's really stuck with me. And I think I've, always, I've also learned that there, you're going to be around people in your career or in your business you're not always going to be the right person for them and they're not always going to be the right person for you. And that's okay as well. And I think a lot of people try too hard to be the person that, say, the client wants. This is huge. Yeah. I th and I think it's about being honest but also talking straight. And I think that needs to happen a lot of times more like in, a, in an employee-employer situation. Everyone's tiptoeing around every else let's just talk straight have a conversation about it talk about the facts don't get emotional mm. and work out a solution and, and generally in every forward. situation yeah move forward generally there's always a situation and find a happy medium for, for both parties so that's that's probably I guess my biggest memorable advice over the years 
Yeah, that's actually really good. In terms of, well, you have an agency where you have a host of VAs. Yes. If somebody wanted to set up an agency, do you you help them set up an agency or are you more setting people up as a VA? So it really depends. So in my other business, which is the VA coaching business, the coaching is structured towards that person's goals. So if they're already a successful virtual assistant and they come to me and they say, I want to level up, I want to get bigger, I want to become an agency, then the coaching would be tailored to setting them up as an agency. If they were already, if they were, sorry, if they were not a virtual assistant already and they wanted to create a virtual assistant agency, I would recommend that the first part or that they would do, say, two lots of training programs, the first bit would be setting them up successfully as a virtual assistant, getting some clients, going through the motions of that first and then setting them up as an agency in, in a second training program as well because there's a lot of processes going involved with just being the virtual assistant. But if you're going to have a team of virtual assistants, you need to know what it's like to be a virtual assistant yourself. You need to know what resources your team are going to need, what processes your team are going to need. So it's definitely recommended that they I would set them up as a virtual assistant first and then do the, the coaching to become an agency afterwards. So because being in the shoes then you're better able to communicate to your clients. Sasha, thank you so much for going through all of this with me. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you today. You are more than welcome. That was really lovely chatting to you as well. Um, How can people find you? They can find me on Instagram. Um, We've got at the VA way AU and at virtually assisted AU, which is the agency as well as on Facebook or Sasha Eben on LinkedIn. Fantastic. I will speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. You've just finished listening to an episode of Rare Conversations. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love for you to leave a review and share it with a friend who you think would be interested in this topic. And if you have a business question, please send it in to us. We may very well answer it in our next episode. So be sure to tag me on social media at Leonie Milano. The show notes and other information can be found on our website at www.leonimilano.com. Thank you again for listening and we look forward to having you back with us again soon.